You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Wednesday edition, getting into Matt Williamson's NFL Draft Rankings. We'll talk running backs today, Matt's top running backs in the 2021 NFL Draft, at BD Peacock on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL on Twitter is where you can find us. And if you want to get involved in our Tuesday mailbag, just tag us there. And there is one question that's been lingering in my mind from yesterday's mailbag, Matt, and I kind of want to start here. There's not a lot of news going on around the NFL. Some rumors about who might get tagged, but we'll find out about those things officially once we actually get a salary cap number and teams can start to make those decisions. But Barry yesterday, if you remember, asked a question about spurred on by a podcast appearance from Joe Thomas talking about arm length. And somebody did reply to us in our conversation. And basically what Joe Thomas was saying, not that arm length wasn't important, but they measure it wrong. They're kind of guessing where your shoulder meets your arm and then measuring out to the fingertips. And, and Joe Thomas was saying it's all about getting into a guy's chest. So they should be measuring the distance between your chest and where your wrist bends, because that's the functional area hmm. that you're blocking somebody from. Oh, that's interesting. And that's dead on. I mean, that makes an awful lot of sense to me because it really the tip of your finger doesn't matter because you're not blocking people with your fingertips. You know, first of all, you got your whole hand on their, their chest or whatever you can get a hand on. So like you said, it should end at your wrist. And we already have a, a hand measurement on top of that. If right. you want to know how much hand you have on, you know, a guy's uh, on your opponent. And yeah, I mean, I, I've done those measurements. I mean, it, it, I don't even know how to describe it. There's a little like spot where like your clavicle, I'm sitting here grabbing at it now, like where my clavicle meets my, you know, where your arm starts to bend, like right yes. where your rotator cuff starts is where you're supposed to put that tape and go to the tip of their longest finger, but that isn't super accurate. You're right. And to be honest, I may even be more interested in with the current measurements, I might prefer wingspan, you know, tip of your middle finger to tip of your other middle finger all the way across your body. And that width you have in your torso than the current arm length measurements. That's, that's smart. I like that. Or how about this for a measurement? You go down on your face, like a, like you're doing a push up. So you do a push up, you extend yourself all the way up. You measure from the ground to someone's chest. Wow. That's great. Yeah. That's their functional area that they're pushing. Yeah. Just, just, just dangle a, a, you know, a a tape measure there. Because even with arms extended outward, you're not blocking to your side as much. Some pass rushers with that long arm move, they are kind of doing that maneuver, but with a wide receiver, you're, Mm -hmm. you're reaching up in the air. So standing reach is more important than height, probably for a wide receiver, for a wide receiver's length, you know? Um, Right. And in hand size matters, especially for quarterbacks and receivers and centers and and positions that hold the ball running backs. Um, But yeah, it's, it's interesting the way that the NFL does things in the combine and some of the measurements there, some of them are archaic. I mean, the league has changed so much and these are the same measurements they were doing in what 1979, right? Right. That's interesting because it makes me think of a couple things. First of all, I just finished listening to this week's move the sticks podcast and they had Bruce Feldman on and he was talking about how things are changing quickly. And all of a sudden, you know, they're right around the corner to getting miles per hour of college tape mm-hmm. and things like that. I mean, all these advanced ways of judging athletic movement and, 
you know, the, not that 40s are going to be outdated, but I guess soccer has done this for a very long time overseas. And uh, other, you know, baseball's way ahead of the game in terms of, you know, using technology as opposed to just a stopwatch and a tape measure to figure out how athletic somebody is. And, you know, they kind of equated it to like the, the money ball conversation with all the old scouts sitting around going, well, he doesn't look good in a pair of jeans or, you know, like pretty soon we're going to be laughing at the way we figured these things out. And then the other thing I wanted to mention too, is I've never done this because it's not, uh, maybe it's on ESPN six or something, but I've never seen a combine from another sport. Like I really am curious how basketball measures length i mean length is so important in basketball or what are the different ways that baseball measures speed or do they make them run around the bases you know yeah, no, or, well, baseball they use uh, a 60 yeah you would know uh, they use a 60 yard dash time in okay. baseball which is weird so it's a longer distance of speed. our bases 60 yards or no, how far uh, are bases are uh, 90 feet yeah okay i knew that yeah actually. and so uh, essentially it's like you're running all the way across the outfield you know, it's it's a long distance. They have baseball players run even longer than football players. So I think the idea behind football is they want to try to, because a lot of players are still accelerating in a football forty yard dash. You're 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 at your fastest yeah, when you're hitting yeah. the finish line. So I think in baseball they're trying to figure out what a guy's top speed is, how much range he might have in the outfield, how fast he can go from home plate to third base or something like that. Whereas in football they want to incorporate a little bit more of the start in it, how quickly you get up to top speed, which is why I think it's a little bit shorter in the forty. I forget. I know. I know. Al Davis was instrumental in the forty, but in a way, it's kind of a random number. Why is it not thirty? Why is it not fifty? I don't think there's any good reason why they picked forty over forty-two or thirty-six or whatever. And I think your point's a good one. That if you asked Usain Bolt or any hundred-yard or hundred-meter sprinters, they would tell you at forty, I'm not moving my best still yet. You know, I mean, like yeah. even. <laughs> You watch these guys come out of a stance and they're low, 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 and then eventually they get real high and their mouth doesn't move. They're very, think like Eric Dickerson running when he gets in the open field, yes. you know, like that's just real smooth. And sometimes those guys aren't even to that point by 40 yards, you know, when they really open it up and hit their stride. That's interesting to me. Um, real think, quick, too, I mean, this is off topic, but sure. if I was a baseball scout, it's the first time I've ever thought of this in my life. I don't want a 60 yard like no one ever runs 60 yards in baseball. <laughs> yeah, well, and they time everything in baseball, too. So they're timing the catcher, how long it takes him from pop when the ball hits the glove to throw when he gets the ball out of his hands, how long it takes to get okay. the ball to second base when he's throwing a runner out uh, for, you know, the timing players from home to first is another big one. They they do they do that drill, too, which which makes a lot more sense. Um, but the, sure. the time you hear a lot is 60 for for uh, baseball players for whatever reason. And again, that's an archaic measure, too. They're doing a lot of things in baseball. It's crazy. Launch angle, uh, spin rate on balls. I've seen it in golf because I've picked up golf during the pandemic. It's crazy. These devices for your phone that will show you a shot tracer, tell you your your side spin, your back spin, your launch really? angle. Uh, it's crazy how much that's gone into golf, too, because there's already so much game and gadgets are big in golf and so much money in golf that um, that's really huge, too. And I think the NFL's pretty far behind. You know what is hilarious, though? You mentioned NBA. The funniest measurement, I think, for the NBA, they measure players in shoes for how tall they are. You see a guy really? who's seven foot one, he's actually six eleven and a half, but they measure him in, or yeah, he's seven one and he's actually six ten and a half or whatever. They measure him in shoes, which is so weird. And sometimes you see measurements where without shoes, with shoes, it's like, why would you even do the shoe measurement? 
That's like measuring hockey players in skate. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess they, no sense at all I guess they and play with I'm shoes sure on. People, I'm sure people like, sta- you know, put uh, quarters and stuff under their heels so that they're coming out of their shoes and they look a little taller. You know, I mean, that makes no sense to me. You should be flat-footed <laughs> as close to naked as you can. You and, know what I mean? I, NFL I, I players should be running the 40 in pads too, right? Right, right. I mean, that makes more sense than running in underwear, honestly. I would imagine this is off topic, but I would imagine you mentioned golf and baseball. There must be all kinds of indicators to figure out how hard you're swinging and how fast your your swing rate and quickness and those type of things. Bat oh, speed. absolutely. Bat speed is huge. Uh, exit velocity for baseball players with hitters is really big. Launch angles. Is that like right where it comes off the bat? Yeah. How fast it's coming off the bat. Right. It's similar okay. for golf too. Yeah. Ball speed, swing same, speed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a smash rate for golf, which is like the percentage of. Uh, the multiple of how fast the ball comes off versus what your swing speed was. So hmm. it's, it, it's pretty amazing what, um, what technology is going into some of these sports, but back to some of the original points. First of all, I think 10 and 20 yard splits might be more important than the 40 yard dash when it comes to times, by the way, at the combine for football players. Uh, I think those numbers are pretty indicative of some things, you know, pass rushers that have the, you know, as fast as a first 10 is, is wide receivers and things like that. Of course, this is what we always do. We go a little bit longer. There's actually a couple more points that were my main points about Barry's question from yesterday that now we'll have to get to here. All right, we'll keep that idea rolling. Recruiting, how that pertains to the NFL draft. How much value should you put in what a player was as a middle schooler, in some cases, when they are now NFL prospects? And this is shaping up to be a draft season for the ages for those anonymous scouts. We'll get into that next. And Matt Williamson's running back rankings for the 2021 draft. Super Bowl Sunday has come and gone. The 2020 season is over, but there's plenty to bet on at betonline.ag when it comes to sports and football and NFL football. We've got NFL draft props, but maybe the funnest thing, I think it's Super Bowl Sunday and March Madness are the best times to bet on sports throughout the year. So this month is going to be fun And we didn't get the tournament last year. It is tourney time, March Madness. Get in on the action at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts i promise we will have time to get into matt williamson's top running backs for the 2021 nfl draft but this conversation is fascinating to me a big point you brought up that i saw daniel jeremiah speak about and that was the miles per hour and it's something that i hope we get public knowledge of because that's so important the gps trackers how fast are these players moving on a football field while they're playing football is so important and i've heard in recent years a few draft picks things uh, are referenced about the GPS tracker and that maybe a player didn't run a great 40, but he had this crazy fast GPS miles per hour time. And we don't get to see that information. I want that information. So that's my big takeaway with the GPS and and the miles per hour for these players. Where's that info? Because give me that over the combine all day. (sighs) This might be a a whole nother segment and we don't have to go off script here because I'm with you. You know, like I bet Jerry Rice is a great example. Like, no one ever caught him when he broke away, and his 40 was fine, but it wasn't great, obviously. He's faster in pads than he was on a track. 
However, every time I see these fastest guy in the league miles per hour, it's like Leonard Fournette or Nick Chubb. It's like a 220-pound running back that gets it open and is like a freight train rolling downhill after a while. But I'm still not convinced they're faster on a field than Tyreek Hill. Right, and I think I think a lot of those we get, they, they forget, or the, the print is really, really small at the bottom with an asterisk. I think almost every time we get those numbers, it's fastest ball carrier. But they, okay. they always say it's the fastest player. So, like, some special right teams that. gunner is probably running the fastest in the league when he's running straight, you know, for 60 yards down the field. But we don't see that number. We're only seeing the ball carriers publicly, I think. So I think a lot of those, that's why we always see the running backs and the guys that have these long breakaway touchdowns because that's the only time we see uh, NFL players really break open with the ball in their hands is on these long touchdown runs. And I think last year the first guy who hit 23 miles per hour was Raheem Mostert on an 80-yard touchdown run mm-hmm. in Week 2 against the Jets last year. It hit 23 two miles per hour or something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, we know who the fastest players are in the league. I don't think sometimes they get the opportunity as ball carriers with the ball in their hands to sprint in one straight direction for that long to reach that speed. I think that's why we see those numbers. And I agree with you because I don't think we're seeing the accurate depiction of who's actually moving fastest on a football field. I want to see them all. I want to see those gunners, how fast are they going? How fast yeah. uh, is Tyreek Hill going? Even yeah. when he's not getting the ball thrown his way when he's running a go route. Yeah, I mean, you can't convince me Leonard Fournette's faster than Tyreek Hill in pads. I right. mean, there's just and then their numbers are different. But you are right; they're always running backs that break the second level and are just open it up. And they're bigger guys that are build up speed dudes. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, they are ball carriers. One other thing, I I don't want to dispute what you said, but you said tens and twenties might be more important to you than forties, and I 100% agree with that in a nutshell. Except for, and I don't claim to know anything about track and field, and trust me, I'm the slowest guy on the planet, but I do know the biggest thing for getting your 40-yard dash time down is practicing your start. So that worries me a little bit from a football perspective is Johnny, defensive end, just got really good at starts. You know what I mean? And got a really good 10. But that is a more indicative number for a defensive end than a 40-yard dash. Right, and they're they're sort of gaming the start. In, right, because they're, they're great at they're, starts. And, and I guess the same for the three-cone and all of that. There's people that are really into three-cones for prospects, and then some people say, well, actually three-cones don't have any uh, conclusion on on good players in the NFL. It's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just they're, they're measuring so many things, and in a lot of cases, you know who's athletic, you know who's not, and it's not so much that number that really matters in the end. And all those drills, three cones, shuttles, there's technique involved, you know? Mm, absolutely, yeah. And if you don't work on yeah. it, you're not going to be as good, which is what we went back to yesterday saying that maybe the biggest thing in the combine is is coaches and GMs knowing that the player put in the time to be as good as possible in each drill. Yeah. But I, all these things have flaws, which brings us back to the original point that maybe five years from now when technology sweeps the league and everyone embraces it, we'll realize there's fewer flaws or look how this guy changes or look at this linebacker change direction in open field with pads on against TCU. Right. Or like force plate stuff where you could measure someone's explosion off yeah. of the ground versus like Drago. Measuring the, right. Yeah, exactly. The Ivan Drago <laughs> stuff. They, they had it right. They, they were looking into the future in Rocky. What was that? Rocky three. That's, no, Mr. T's three that go into Russia. So that was four. two. Oh no, it's four. Okay, it's four. Yeah, pa- Apollo was the first two. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so- like Penny Soul's <laughs> punch. Right. Yeah. How hard is this punch? 
Right, right. You can get, into, you can get deep in the weeds with this stuff. Um, so anyway, <laughs> my, my initial thoughts about this question and this subject, there was a couple of things that bother me, and I want to run them by you because you've been in rooms and you've you know been around decision makers more than I have. Barry's question was about, you know, favorite meaningless scouting measures. One that really drives me crazy is the whole five-star recruit thing. Because yeah. I, in a lot of ways, players get extra credit. Oh, this guy was a five-star recruit, so he must be this big, great athlete. Let's give him a shot because, you know, maybe he'll hit. To me, it's the opposite. If you were a five-star recruit, you were some overgrown 15-year-old and has disappointed for, you know, six years following that. I would much rather have the small school guy that was under-recruited, the two-star recruit that was skinny in high school, that built himself up and dominated small school competition. Give me the late bloomer, overachiever, every day over the five-star recruit that underachieved his entire college career. And I see that so much. People get extra, yeah. give extra credit for the five-star recruits. I think, I think it's, it's silly, and it's even completely backwards of what you should be doing with five-star recruits who were disappointing for their entire football career. Yeah, it'd be different if Miles Garrett's a five-star recruit or Chase Young, and he's the first pick in the draft, and he's lived up to it. Yes. And, oh, absolutely. You know, right. I mean, okay, that, that makes sense. I'm sure Chase Young was a heck of a recruit. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't take hard, it isn't hard to figure out. I know recruiting's come a very long way since I've done it. I am very dated, but I did it every day of my life for three and a half years. And I watched five stars and I didn't think the ratings were even that great. You know, like, boy, there's a lot of four stars I'd take over him or this dude that we're recruiting, I'd take over that guy. And the other thing about it is a lot of those five stars, it's so, and even the, all those guys, I mean, all the top, top recruits, the, the playing field's not equal. They're just so much better than everyone in high school. They don't even really have to try that hard. So a lot of them develop bad habits. You know, quarterbacks with huge arms develop bad habits. They don't have to be anticipatory passers because they can wait an extra beat and drill that thing in there that other quarterbacks can't. Defensive tackles in particular. I mean, that was the hardest position to recruit because there's five to ten of them that are awesome in every recruiting class across, across the whole country. And they all go to Alabama, of course, you know, <laughs> right. but they don't even have to work hard. Yeah. You know, they're six, five, 295 pound kid with super long arms. And he's the most athletic kid on the field. I mean, that's like me trying to guard Shaq and the rest of them. You have to project and you think, well, right now he's only 260, but I think he's going to be 290. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's that, got to be body the part. Stop growing. And it, that's right. crazy. Like if you would have scouted me when I was a sophomore in high school, Versus when I was even a junior in high school, right? If you're putting and you're putting these rankings on these players that's so early, a lot of it is like and everyone's gone to school. With the the guy who had a mustache when he was 13 years old, and everyone else is like, "What's going on here? How come you look like an old grown man already?" And all, the rest of us are children. Like some people just are, you know, uh, develop sure. faster and develop sooner. And I I grew like six inches going into my my junior year. So it, whenever you hit your growth spurt, whenever that stuff happens and whenever the stars are slapped on you and for some people there's late bloomers and they they work hard and they go from a wide receiver to a defensive end like DeMarcus Ware. Like I love those stories and those are the players I want that made themselves into what they are and were late bloomers. So I, when I'm looking at a sky report, I do not care. I care what player you are right now. I don't care what kind of player you are when you were 15. Yeah, that's a good point. Like five stars. So maybe I and I think that's a coach's mentality. Like, okay, his last coaching staff in college 
turned him into a second, third round prospect. But if I get a hold of him, I could turn him into the best linebacker in the NFL because there's all that untapped ability there when he was 17. <laughs> that was so long ago, playing against kids that are not doing anything resembling football for a living right now. Oh, right. Yeah. And some of those kids just going out to have fun, not lifting weights or doing anything. They're just trying to have a little bit of fun. And you have these pro aspirations and you are a monster already. And you, it's just, it's, it's not even fair. Um, so and tackled by Jefferson, by the way, know, we've got to move on. We're going to be talking about some five-star recruits. I'm sure with your running back rankings next yeah, yeah. one more quick one here. And, and we'll see if we can keep this short so we can get to that last segment. My last pet peeve when it comes to, scouting and we're seeing it this year now and I and I know it's going to be the case with some franchises more than some others you know some old school scouts GMs head coaches they're going to view players that opted out in a big time negative light and I can't wait to start hearing those anonymous scouts and hearing those reports and maybe there's so many that they can't really fully go down that road and say, we're not taking anybody who opted out of the 2020 season, but you've been in draft rooms. You've been around these people. You know what it's like. There's going to be people out there that are like, Nope, I don't want anybody who opted out of the 2020 season. Yeah. That's going to be viewed very differently in a lot of rooms. And I've heard you say this and we've talked about it a lot. There will be some values for people that are open-minded and look past these things, but I can understand if you have an equal grade on two wide receivers and one of them opted out and I will take the guy that I have more recent tape on. I'll feel more, you know, I'll feel a little better about, but you're right. I mean, there's going to be the old curmudgeon scout with his cigar and overweight and I'm just cliche and to no end <laughs> that oh, he, he, he bailed on his team. I don't want that guy. When the going gets tough, we can't count on Johnny, you know, like, uh, this was kind of an odd situation. Yeah, and, and this is such a unique year where there's so many of them too. It's easy when there's one or two per class and you say, nope, take them off the draft board. I don't want a quitter on my team. But now it's you know, like you know, a third of the class and it's like, okay, well, now, now this gets a lot more difficult. So we'll see. Maybe it'll just hurt a couple of top prospects. They'll fall a little bit. Maybe we'll start to see a lot of guys fall a lot. This, this draft season is going to be a crapshoot. I can't wait. It's going to be bananas so it's going to be a lot yeah. of fun and that's why we're going to be covering it every day here on the peacock and williamson nfl podcast next matt williamson's 2021 nfl draft running back rankings built bar cooking up something very special march madness built bar bracket i'm thinking the one seeds got to be in the peanut butter flavor family i've talked about the peanut butter flavor it's my favorite the straight up peanut butter but there's peanut butter crispy that's really good peanut butter brownie it's essentially like the the north carolina duke kentucky of built bar flavors in my opinion is the three peanut butter flavors but i know there's a big push amongst locked on hosts for this new coconut brownie flavor. So that might be one of the ones seeds. So we'll see how this thing gets seeded out for the Built Bar bracket during the munch. There it is again, the month of March. And promo code, a brand new promo code for 20% off at BuiltBar.com, locked on 20. So use promo code locked on 20 to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar's Twitter account will be tweeting out uh, the match each day. These brackets will start March 8th. So next week, these head-to-head matchups will start out. So this week is all about seeding, leading up to April 2nd's Built Bar Championship. Which flavor will come out on top? Which flavor is your favorite? Let me know. And go to BuiltBar.com with promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off. 
Here we go. Uh, we've done quarterbacks so far. Let's get into uh, the running back position when it comes to the 2021 NFL Draft and Matt Williamson's rankings. We've got the top five here and a sleeper. I am super interested in the number three guy on this list. I think some teams might even have him number one, and it might surprise people how high he goes. And um, you know, I've talked about this a lot. I wouldn't take any of them in the first round. I didn't have any running backs going in my first round mock draft. I know a running back is going to end up sneaking into the first round, though. Maybe a couple of them. Who knows? Maybe even three. And I saw a recent mock draft that had a team trading up into the teens to draft a running back, which kind of blew my mind. And some teams really value it. I personally don't. And I think, you know, the league is probably split on that subject. Who is your number one running back this year, Matt? And how high would you take that player? Well, it's funny because. I do this podcast with you and I am mostly in agreement with you that I would not take a running back high. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And that's a podcast in itself. But then an hour from now, I'm going to go record the drive doing my Steeler show. And I'm kind of in the, I'm kind of in the corner of at 24. I think the Steelers could take one of these top running backs, namely Najee Harris, who's my number one guy. And because I only think there's a couple good backs in this league that fit the bill of a massive upgrade for a team like the Steelers or Atlanta or a couple others. And there's a lot of linemen. You know, I say it all this time on that Steelers show, nine out of 10 times, I would always take the linemen, especially a tackle over a running back. But there's a lot of tackles, a lot of interior linemen I like, and there aren't many running backs. So I'm really torn because it's kind of my philosophy versus today's and that specific team and i don't like that situation i'm kind of in conflict right now i'm a fan of Najee harris and, and yeah. by the way i think that's a pretty good over under point pick 24 for where the first running back would go in this class i wonder what the yeah, line is at bet online i haven't looked if they have running backs recently but i bet they will at some point before the draft and i think that would be a pretty good over under for where the top running back goes. Uh, Najee Harris, though, has been on my radar for a very long time because he was a superstar player here in California. Five-star. In, uh, yeah, he's a five-star in Antioch. <laughs> I mean, if you're the starting running back at Alabama, you were a five-star, right? And so this is like, oh, next Derrick Henry, 6'2", 230 pounds, uh, just a monster, could run. Uh, his team was great in Antioch, California, and Najee Harris has been on my radar for for quite a long time, and he's just he looks the part, first of all. He can run inside, he can run outside, and he's really developed... The passing game, which is really important. If you're drafting a first-round running back, you better be able to catch the ball. He's come a long way. He's a little overage going back to school this past year. But if you look at him as I'm only going to keep him for five years, you know, or first contract, I don't really care if they're overage. Um, I thought he really stepped up as a receiver and kind of like the Saquon Barkley disease. I mean, that's the wrong word. But when you're an awesome back like these guys were for all their life, Sometimes you always try to hit the home run because I can stop my feet. I'll throw this guy to the side and then I'll try to bust one. I thought Harris became more of an NFL back this past year of it's not always going to be there. Getting a four yard run when it's only blocked for two is a success. So I thought he came a long way in the last year. Number one and number two is pretty much the same on everybody's list. Some have ATN, some have Harris. You have Travis ATN as your second running back here from Clemson. And I, I was kind of surprised when I started diving into Travis ATN and looking at his numbers. I, I, it's too bad we don't have a combine because I think he could be a star there because he could fly. Yeah. And that's obviously what you want in Travis ATN. You want that speed. But actually, at 5'10, 212 pounds, pretty thick guy, thicker than maybe I thought he was going to be. And, and we'll see if he actually ends up at that weight at his pro day. 
Yeah, and he came a long way. Most people thought ATN and Harris sort of came out last year, which would have been interesting mixing them with Akers and Dobbins and Taylor and Swift and all those guys. Um, but ATN, I think, also came a really long way in the passing game over the past year, which will help him quite a bit. I'm not sure he's a bell cow. I mean, comparing anyone to Alvin Kamara is great, is is wonderful, but I think the usage will be like Kamara. I don't think he'll be on the field as much as Harris or even this number three guy. Javante Williams, and this is the one that really intrigues me because the more I watch him, the more I like, and, and I could be convinced that he might actually be the number one running back in this class. 5'10", 220, that classic build for a running back out of North Carolina. And by the way, his teammate's pretty good too. He is, and he's going to come up. But Williams, we talk about Williams on the Steelers show every time. And even maybe Williams at 24, would he be the best back in this draft for the Steelers? And I still lean towards Harris, but I would take Williams over ATN for that particular team. I love him. I mean, he is after contact, nasty, developing receiver, shared a lot of time, so doesn't have a lot of wear and tear off his tires. Uh, I think these three stand alone. I'm having a tough time with a, a comparison for Travis ATN because I want him to be like someone who's more of a split out wide receiver at his size and athleticism, even though he's maybe not quite there as a receiver. So I could see why you would want Najee Harris at number one because he's that true bell cow type. And I think probably just as good as a receiver, even though he's not as athletic as Travis ATN. But mm-hmm. the, the natural comparison with Najee Harris is. Uh, some of the former Alabama running backs. But when I see Javante Williams out of North Carolina, I see a lot of Frank Gore. Mm, That's a good one. I hear David Montgomery a lot because coming Mm -hmm. out of school, I mean, that's kind of a pro football focus thing because yards after contact, those two are like monsters by their metric. But I like the Gore one better. You know, subtle moves, um, nuance to the position, only getting better. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to be – I, I would put a chip down that Javante Williams will have a better pro career than college career, and he had a good college career. I get the feeling Javante Williams is going to be a second-round pick. Maybe ATN and Harris go in the first round, and Javante Williams ends up on all of Brian Peacock's fantasy football teams because he'll be a little bit cheaper <laughs> yeah. in those drafts than the other two guys will. Uh, yep. and, and then his teammate comes in at number four. I mean, these two running backs were in the same backfield at North Carolina. Michael Carter shaped very differently. Five, nine and a half, 199 pounds. He is the speed. He is the lightning to Javante Williams thunder. Yeah. I mean, very, very good compliments to one another. Um, Carter Carter's more the Austin Eckler type. I mean, he's not going to be at best. I mean, I think Eckler's a great player. So Carter's probably a, a third down back with more than that sprinkled in really good player. Um, but he's not, you know, like I keep using the Steelers example because I think Steelers in Atlanta are the teams that absolutely need a back more than any teams in the league. Like he's not going to be the Falcons early second round pick or the Steelers pick early and say, okay, it's your job. You know, he's got to compliment someone else. And to finish up your top five here, another name that I'm pretty sure was a five-star guy because Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, his name has been on the radar forever when it comes to the NFL draft, and now he's finally in it, you know, prototype size, six feet, uh, 210 pounds. I had a really hard time picking a fifth guy. You know, I liked Herbert at Virginia Tech, Gainwell from Memphis I like a lot, Trey Sermon from Ohio State. And I went with Hubbard, and I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt because he's another one. If he would have came out last year, his stock would have been way better. Really long speed track, had an exceptional year in 2019, 
but fought injuries for the second half of this past year. His line was really bad, and his stock has apparently fallen through the floor. I just think in such a weird year, I'm not going to kill a guy if he takes a big uh, a noticeable step forward or backwards from 19 to 20 and had injuries involved. So I'm going to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt, but I had a hard time picking a fifth guy. Uh, Hubbard maybe in that wide zone scheme because you can make yeah. that one cut and get up field with that explosive ability. Kind of like that fit. He reminds me of Mostert a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has that sort of uh, style to him. And uh, yeah, so very, very different styles here with all five of these running backs. So it might just depend on which team is drafting, which order they have these players, right? Yeah. And, you know, like for fantasy reasons and for... Uh, like you mentioned, the, the Steelers and Falcons, teams that are looking for the guy. I only think there's three of them. Right. The guy guys, there's three. So maybe we might be looking at late round two, definitely outside of the top 50 with four, five, six, seven, whenever the next group of running backs goes after that top three and uh, late uh-huh. day two, and maybe even get some steals as there are every year on day three and even some undrafted free agents like Austin Eckler when it comes to running backs. Here's your sleeper. Tell me about Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma, a player that I've not studied yet leading up to the draft. Big, big back. I'm curious what he actually weighs in at, but I think at the senior bowl, uh, he trimmed down a little bit to get under 230. Uh, It looked like he played at like 245-ish. Was the I don't want to say he was better than Trey Sermon when they both were at Oklahoma, but he's an old school power back that looks like he moves pretty well. I'm interested. I mean, it's what's tough with those guys is if you're not special, special, like those top three, it's hard to find a role. I mean, I'm not saying he's Jordan Howard, but the Jordan Howards of the world aren't real useful anymore. And he better be a pretty good receiver. Yeah, and at that, at that size, you might be getting pigeonholed into the fullback role too. If that, you know, if you're if you're pushing mm-hmm. 240. And the way that offenses are run these days, and you can catch the ball, maybe you're that other back, a power back, a, a fullback, uh, and and sort of a move player at some point. If you can, if and you could carve out a pretty good career for yourself if you can catch the football and do some of those things. But you're probably not going to be looked upon as the number one guy in a backfield. Hundred percent true. And let's just kind of bring it back full circuit here. I got one quick question for you. In 1993, Jerome Bettis was the 10th overall pick out of Notre Dame. Where would he go today? I mean, he's a really good athlete coming out of school, but there's no way he's a first-round pick. He would probably be playing defense, first of all, right? Like, would he even be a running back through the high school and, and into college, or would those college coaches have changed his positions? Would he be allowed to even be a 255-pound running back? In this day and age, how he was what? I'll take the over on two fifty five. Oh, really? I've been around a lot. I mean, even coming out of college, Uh, probably not then. Okay, but I mean, we used to share a parking lot together when I was a pit, and I would see him get out of the car. And since then, I've been on the radio with him and whatnot. I can't. He is so round. I could not imagine trying to tackle and so low. I'm not sure where on defense you put him. I mean. Yeah, he's not built, but his feet were so good too. That would Great. Be, that would yeah. be fun to see someone in like a prime Jerome Bettis in the NFL right now. And he he might be just that outlier guy like Derrick Henry is, and just like this is a different Maybe. dude. Yeah, it's funny though. Henry was a second round pick, and he was the lead. I mean, talk, talk about five star. He was the set the record for most rushing yards in high school history, and then went to Bama and surpassed all those guys and won the Heisman. Still couldn't get in the first round. Yeah, Bettis, probably I would say a third-round pick. 
Yeah, probably. Even if he had that fantastic college career and he was awesome in college. So even then it'd be like, yeah, not too sure about this guy. Right, right. It's crazy. Definitely not top 10. A different day and age. Yeah. How, how much, even in the last five years, and, and definitely back to 1992, how much the NFL has changed. When will the scouting process catch up? I would like to see right. some more of this kind technology. Of thing, yeah. And can we get the dang miles per hour GPS numbers, please? Can we get those? Yeah. And, and I'd like to know, you know, zero to 60 numbers too. You know, like they, they tell you when yes. you buy a Lamborghini or whatever, like acceleration numbers. All of those things. Dump the entire spreadsheet on me. Let me decide what numbers I want, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Give me all this info and I'll sort it however. And that's another thing cool. is, is how quickly and how smart teams are about what information they utilize and which parts of that they find important because that might take some time for some teams. And, and we see that with the entire analytics mo- movement over the last five, 10 years in the league. Some teams don't embrace it. Some teams do. And you got to adapt, man. I mean, you got to be a shark. You you stop swimming, you're going to die. Great stuff. We will continue our looks at the top prospects in the NFL draft and Matt Williamson's draft ditties, a note on every team in the NFL and all the latest news, free agency, draft trades. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.